become a better comedian is you create better jokes. And the way that you create better jokes is you write every day. Welcome, everyone, to the Driving Vision Podcast brought to you by the Ziegler Auto Group. I'm your host, Sam Dark, and here with me, Auto Group Director of Talent Development, Mike Van Ryan. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks, Sam. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, like it if you do, and leave a comment. Mike, welcome back. Excited to be here, Sam. So, Mike, we have a special guest today. We always have a special guest, but this guest is special-er because he fits so well into the theme of the overall podcast. Mike, introduce us. Well, our special guest, we'd like to welcome Mr. Scott Welly, who is a 2021 Midwest Motivational Speaker of the Year and a best-selling author of eight books. And he's all over YouTube and got his podcast of his own as well. Very good. Well, in a minute, we'll have to ask what your podcast is so we can, uh, I can go chase it. I know, Mike, you're a regular listener. I'd love to be as well. So Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. We're excited to have you in. So, you know, I think we've talked a little bit that the podcast Driving at Vision is all about people that have had incredible visions that have changed the world. A JFK in the moon landing, a Reagan in the tearing down the, the wall. Elon Musk has had several visions that have changed the world, whether you love his approach or not with Tesla and other things. Scott, the question we always ask at the top is, what is your vision? I'm simply striving to make the world a healthier, happier, higher performing place. That's my vision honestly. And I'm sure we're going to dig into this throughout the course of the podcast. But, you know, you brought up some pretty heavy hitters there as far as big macro visions go. (laughs) I try very hard because I've been guilty in my life sometimes of doing the social comparison thing that we all can do. And and instead of saying I'm not Elon Musk, I'm not JFK, I'm not Reagan, I'm not Steve Jobs and comparing my vision to theirs, I simply try to go out there and I try to just impact at least one person every single day to help them live a healthier, happier, happier, higher performing life. And if I do that, I believe that I've changed the world in some small way. That's a beautiful message because don't you think whether you are a JFK or whether you're a Sam Dark or a Scott Willie who's in between wherever I am and JFK, we all have the ability to make a difference in the world, right? 100%. Yes. And that vision that you have, the vision that I have has the potential to do that. So Mike, why don't you start us with a little bit of background with Scott? Yeah, Scott, just uh, love to recognize you here. Appreciate the person that you are and that you are out there to really change the world and to change people in from performers to outperformers, right? And share a little bit of your background with us. So my company is Outperform the Norm. Um, It's exactly what it says it is. It helps people achieve higher levels of performance, personally, professionally, athletically, et cetera. I have eight best-selling books that are out there. Um, I've been a quote-unquote motivational speaker for about five years now. And a lot of this was born out of my background in sports psychology and studying the psychology of elite performance on the court or course or field or ice. And now I pivot a lot of those same principles from a mental standpoint that can just help people get better results on the field of play of life. Absolutely. And you've outperformed as well, Scott, with the number of marathons you've done, the Ironman, triathlons, ultra marathons. What are you up to now? I think last time we talked, you were in the upper 20s. Uh, I did my 30th marathon last year. Twin Twin Cities Marathon last October. So I brought that number up to 30. Done five Ironman triathlons, a 100 mile ultra marathon. 
fun. Um, rim to rim to rim through the Grand Canyon, about 47 miles. But wow. But what I really want to get across throughout the course of this podcast is like, if you haven't done any of those things, and if you don't have an interest in doing any of those things, that is 100% fine. Outperform the norm is really not about how do you stack up relative to other people, sort of like I brought up my vision relative to some of you know the people that you started with. It's not about comparing your story to my story. Outperform the norm is really about how do you seek your own personal potential? How are you driven every single day in that own intrinsic pursuit of growth and excellence and just aspiring to be your individual best every single day, whatever that looks like to you? So Scott, I feel the passion from you as you talk about this. You're committed to this vision. You're committed to your purpose and what you do every day. How the heck did you get into this? What was it that drew you into becoming this motivational speaker, this excellent athlete, by the way? I've sat at the rim of the Grand Canyon. (laughs) I've been asked to do the rim to rim to rim. It's insanity, right? Like that's crazy. People don't just do that. What has pulled you into this work and this vision? Well, a couple of things. I guess the first thing that I'll say is there wasn't one kind of aha moment, like the ringing voice from God where all of a sudden my life changed. You know, sometimes you hear those stories where people have a car accident or something really traumatical happen and they'll do a complete 180. I'm a huge believer in what I've seen in my life is the little itty bitty micro changes and the small things that we do every single day stacked up over time can change the entire trajectory of your life. And I've seen that in mine. And I think a lot of what inspires me to try to help other people is overcoming some of the things that I have in my own life and some of my own self limiting beliefs. Like I grew up thinking that I wasn't smart and I wasn't ever going to be as smart as my brother who's a year and a half older than me. And I grew up with a very self-limiting belief as far as what I could do academically. And I had to overcome that. I also grew up with a terrible stutter where I spent years in speech therapy. Speaking in front of the class was like a traumatic experience for me. And I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now. And I I had to to (laughs) overcome that. And we've all had to overcome different things in our lives. And I think to be able to share my message and not only my personal experience, but what I've been fortunate to see with other outperformers, as well as my own education and research in these topics, that's just why I'm so passionate about just doing what I can to be able to help others. That is awesome. You took weakness to strength. So how did you become aware that, you know, your belief about your learning and your performance was self-limiting? How did you become aware that that wasn't real, that it was in your head and that you could change that. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing because I guess I wouldn't call it a complete aha defining moment that I mentioned before, but I do for whatever reason, remember waking up in the summer after my junior year at at the University of Wisconsin. And I was just getting C's all the way up through my college days. And and I was a C student before that in high school all the way, because I had these self-limiting beliefs that just told me it didn't matter what I did. And I didn't try very hard. And then I got average grades, which only further reinforced my belief that I'm not smart. And I just remember waking up that one morning and just for whatever reason saying to myself, you know what, Scott, you're paying a lot of money to be average. (laughs) Like, because I was paying my way through college, you're paying a lot of money to get C's. And maybe you're never truly going to be as smart as your brother and beat him in a game of Trivial Pursuit or Jeopardy or otherwise. But what if you just simply adopted a different, more empowering belief system and actually applied yourself? What could happen then? And that got kind of the the train going on a little bit of a different track and I think got me going back in the other direction. I don't quite know why it happened that day, but it did. And I, looking back on it, you know, I think it was Steve Jobs that said, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. Yes. So looking back to that 
day, that was a day that changed things going the other way when before that it was only ever going down one direction and it wasn't a good one. Yeah, Steve Jobs infamously said that at the Stanford graduation. And I love, you know, Tony Robbins also talks about the power of a question and how if we want to raise our standards, if we want to become more excellent in our lives, finding that right question, you found that question, applied it and it changed your world, right? Absolutely. 100%. Mike? What a defining moment. I mean, that was awesome. And I'm reading a quote here from you. Outperformers are not born, they're made. What a great tribute to that. Yeah. That defining moment in your life. What do you mean by that? Okay, so let's look at it. My background in sports psychology started out working with athletes way back in the day. Now, there's inevitably, if we're talking about athletics, a certain amount of speed, size, strength, power, hand-eye coordination that certain athletes are just blessed with and certain athletes just have. Like, I would never be able to do what Ben Wallace does. You know, I would never be able to do what some of these other people do. (laughs) It's just something you either have or you don't have. But as far as when we look at, for the majority of us, just simply aspiring to be our best selves and whether it's honing a skill set around sales, around leadership, around communication, or around anything in your life, all of these things can be learned and all of these things can be conditioned. They're not things that we should just say, well, I was either born with that and I either have it or I don't have it. You know, And this was part of, I think, my problem when, uh, when the big strengths-based movement kind of came out where it was just sort of like, okay, you have these unique strengths, then you should just be using these strengths all the time. You shouldn't necessarily worry about your weaknesses. And I was always saying, well, okay, it's all right to be utilizing your strengths because we all have them as far as our our unique DNA and our earliest experiences. But if your job or if your aspiration requires you to hone this weakness or hone this skill set, then you have to take You have to be empowered and you have to say, I'm not just going to say, well, I don't have this or I don't have that. I am actually going to take the steps to acquire that or to make that a strength of mine. And I think that's what outperformers do. Yeah, I always thought that was a little strange in the the Strength Finder book. You know, Jim Craig, we were just with him today, uh, uh, hockey uh, gold medals from the 1980. uh, and, And we've actually talked to him about that. He said, you know, that's ludicrous that, you know, you lean into your strengths and only those you can't develop your weakness. Growth is acknowledging weakness, recognizing where we need to improve and then leaning in to do that, right? So absolutely, absolutely. Scott, talk to us about the norm versus the outperform concept. I assume what you're talking about is probably my most popular slide where you've just got, where I always just say, be on the right side, where you've got the dichotomy of what the norm says to themselves and what outperformers say to themselves every single day. Um, And when I say be on the right side, I just think the greatest skill that any of us can have in this life is self-awareness. And when I brought up the story before about me after my junior year at the University of Wisconsin, saying you're paying a lot of money to get C's, for whatever reason, at that point in time, I had a self-awareness as far as my own beliefs and how that was translating to my thoughts, my behaviors, my results, and how that cycle is going around and around. So when I talk about the difference between the norm and outperform, we can go in a lot of different directions, but I think it first starts with just what is what are you saying to yourself every single day and which side are you on? Are you on the side of excuses or accountability or a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? Are you focused on me or are you focused on we? Those very simple things matter as far as just what we're saying to ourselves every single day. Yeah, they sure do. And you uh, you stress that really well when you come in and speak to groups across the country. So 
that's awesome. Hey, Sam, did you know that Scott's got an interesting love of the car business? We got a lot of listeners out there from the auto business, right? Yes. Share us uh, with us a little bit of your background. I, so I was literally born into the auto business. My grandpa on my dad's side um, owned the owned a family car dealership in Albany, Minnesota. Small town about, at the time, it was about 1,500 people. Um, it was Welly Dodge Chrysler Plymouth. So my grandfather ended up turning it over to my dad. And my dad owned the business for a number of years. Unfortunately, it was a little bit hard to sustain a car dealership in a very small town as far as inventory and different things go. And unfortunately, it went BK when I was in high school. And he ended up going then after that and working in a, a slightly bigger town, St. Cloud, Minnesota, um, working for almost every, as a salesperson, almost every different type of car dealership you can name from Chevy to Ford to Pontiac um, to everything else. So literally my earliest experiences were going and washing cars and hanging out at the car dealership and then going and seeing my nice. dad. So uh, yes, uh, being part of the auto industry is very near and dear to my heart, literally. That's awesome. I thought our listeners would love hearing that background. So I find it interesting, Scott, one of my favorite leadership books is Outperform the Norm for Leaders, which you've written. And uh, we've read that across Ziegler with lots of different groups. So my my, uh, compliments on that. But you start that book out with an attitude of gratitude. And I think you're very intentional in the way you start that. Talk to us about that. Well, gratitude is one of the greatest performance enhancers for our lives. Uh, Very few things replicate the actual benefits that we get from simple and intentional acts of gratitude. And when we start the day with an attitude of gratitude and when we are grateful about the things that we have instead of the things that we lack and having an attitude of abundance instead of an attitude of kind of what's not right in the world, I just think it's a really powerful way and a really powerful um, perspective for us to be able to have. And to be point blank honest with you, it's something that, again, a lot of why I'm so passionate about these things are how they've impacted my own life. So just in the last four years, um, I just turned 41 this year, but in the last four years, I've lost both of my parents. Um, Unfortunately, I lost my mother to throat cancer. Um, My father passed away unexpectedly just from a massive heart failure. Um, And it was just a really, really difficult time in my life. And as a quote unquote motivational speaker, when you're supposed to be going out there and you're supposed to be motivating people and to help them outperform and you can barely get out of bed and you, it's really hard for you to think about what's right instead of what's wrong and what you're lacking instead of what you have. I just found that in some way, shape or form, I had to come back to what is still good in my life. You know, don't necessarily be sad that it's over, be glad that it happened. And having that attitude of gratitude in my life has just really helped me so much personally and professionally. Absolutely. First of all, our condolences on the passing of your parents. That's tragic. And at a time, nationally speaking, where a lot of people are going through challenging stuff right now, right? So it really is putting the things that you're teaching and practicing to, to effort into use. And I guess a question, when you think about the attitude of gratitude in such a challenging and difficult environment, whether it's the passing of your parents, whether it's an environment where some people are at home, spending more time at home, or are more isolated either by choice or uh, by social restriction. What are the practical steps to practice that gratitude daily that you recommend as part of your uh, practice and or book? Yeah, I mean, I think every a lot of people are fighting a battle or all of us are fighting a battle that people know nothing about. You know, we all have little or big things. I mean, I understand bringing up losing my parents. I'm sure for the people listening, they've probably lost someone that they're close to, too, a loved one. And obviously, that's a very big macro type of loss. But just micro things like, wow, I'm feeling kind of lonely because we're so isolated 
isolated and because COVID has made people's homes their home offices and I don't feel as connected as I used to to others. You know, we all could be fighting kind of some of these small and bigger battles. And I think as far as something that people can put into practice is they just have to try to be intentional about their gratitude. So whether that's, I'm a huge believer of let's let's not just be thinking about what we're grateful for. Let's actually keep a gratitude journal or let's actually do something where now instead of, if you want to put this into play, instead of just thinking about, well, I'm grateful for my health or my job or my family or my dog, I want you to actually write down a specific experience or something going on in your life that you're grateful for. And I've seen this happen for me and I've seen it happen for so many clients as well. But what happens is when you start to stack that up over time, that becomes a reservoir of just great stuff that you have going on in your life. And it's something that you can come back to or you can draw confidence and strength and resilience. And it just shows you that no matter what you're going through, there is still a whole heck of a lot that's that's good and, and that you're grateful for. So well said and what a great practice. That is awesome. Scott, the first time I had heard of you, I, I saw a YouTube video that you did and it was a couple different ones. Actually, one of those title was Never Let a Good Crisis Go to Waste and the other one was Play to Win Instead of Play to Lose. Talk to us a little bit about those. Yeah, well, so I'll deal with the latter one first. <laughs> so that one is actually playing to win instead of playing not to lose. So, I mean, and there's a big difference there. Like you brought up the norm and outperform before. Outperformers play to win. The norm plays not to lose. All that simply means is you get what you focus on in life. So when we talk about playing to win, I'm not telling you to take uncalculated, unwarranted uh, risks in your life and to just gamble everything. But part of it is in any given situation, you can, as simple as it sounds, choose to see the glass half full and strive for the positive result and the outcome that you want instead of fearing, oh my God, what if this happens or what if that happens? So the difference there between striving for that positive outcome instead of hesitating and trying to go away from that negative result. Because I think that paralyzes a lot of people and it keeps people from taking action on a lot of things that will genuinely improve their life is because they're worried about what if this bad thing actually happens. Well, what if the good thing happens? That's just simply plain to win. And then never letting the good crisis go to waste. I mean, we learn just like an athlete learns more from his or her losses um, or struggles than they do from their wins and their successes. That's the same thing for us in our lives. We, and if we can understand that even as like we've gone through this COVID time or I, we're still going through this COVID time, I don't even know when it started and when it's going to be done or if it's going to be done, but to realize that our greatest lessons and our greatest feedback comes from times when our character is tested, times where I failed at something or I made a mistake. If we cannot let those crises go to waste and if we can actually learn something from it that we can use to help lead us one step closer to success the next time around that's how all performers think yeah i love that mindset well well scott Willie, you know i'm going to ask you this question the three of us here probably big seinfeld fans so you got to share what what's your seinfeld strategy all about so the Seinfeld strategy, I'll just give you the quick story. It was way back in the day, there was a young aspiring comedian named Brad Isaac that um, wanted to find out how to be a better comedian and basically worshiped Jerry Seinfeld, got to talk to him backstage in one of his shows outside of Los Angeles. And he talked to Jerry and he said, hey, Jerry, you know, how do I become a better comedian? 
And Jerry said, well, the way you become a better comedian is you create better jokes. And the way that you create better jokes is you write every day. And he said, Brad, what I want you to do is I want you to go home and I want you to just get a big old wall calendar. And one of those wall calendars with every day for a month or every day for an entire year. And he just said, every day that you write, I want you to take a Sharpie and I want you to put a big X through that day. Because that will be a day that you've seen that you did something that you knew mattered, that you could control, that was an action and an activity that would lead to you acquiring the skill set of creating better jokes on the way to the outcome of you becoming a better comedian. And I think that has so much importance for how we can live our lives is what I've seen in my life, as well as my clients and the people I've, I've consulted with, is that if you can have a tangible visual representation of seeing that you've done something that you know matters in your life, and Seinfeld called it not breaking the chain. He just said, what you're going to find is you're going to find it once you start doing this day after day after day, you're going to have a chain of days that you've done something and you're going to start to become accountable to that calendar and to not breaking that chain. And I think the only other thing that I'll add on that is this is very different than the way kind of mainstream media and, and social media, I feels like, look looks at success and, and what makes people high achieving because you see things like massive action solves all problems. You know, Jerry Seinfeld didn't tell Brad Isaac, I want you to go home and I want you to write for eight hours a day, every single day knowing that you'll probably be able to do that for a couple of days, you're going to burn out, and you're not going to stick with it. He just said, I want you to do the simple, small act of writing a little bit every day. And when you start to stack that up over time and become accountable to that, the results you're going to get from it are just absolutely astounding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. You talked to us in your book about owning the day and then the vital 4%. Can you speak to that for a few minutes, Scott? Well, 4% is one hour of your day. So one hour out of a 24-hour day is 4% of your day. And I think what you do, because the hardest part of anything in life is just getting started, right? And if we can just get started into positive forward motion and momentum, now it's that much easier to sustain it after that point. So using the vital 4% is sort of like an athlete would have a peak performance routine before a big game, big match, big tournament, big competition. We should think about our peak performance routine for our days by utilizing that vital 4% and instead of being and doing what the norm does, which I think a lot of times is just haphazardly kind of just going into the day and reactively responding to what's going on around you. Let's really proactively be intentional about how we utilize that time so we can really set the tone for an outperforming day. So that could be the simple attitude of gratitude. That could be some type of quality movement or exercise. I think I don't always know that we do a great job of linking what we put into our body and how it impacts how we think, feel, and perform. So it could be a healthy breakfast as well as hydration. And then legitimately sitting down and maybe spending 10 or 15 minutes thinking about what do I need to accomplish or what do I need to advance for me to really consider it an outperforming day. And if you can just do any of those things, I think you're really going to set that tone. You're going to own that. You're going to own the day before the day owns you. And that vital 4% is going to get you kickstarted. And then it's that much easier to sustain it from that point going forward. 
You know, Scott, you've given us such great tips that will improve anyone's life at work, personal relationships and elsewhere. The Seinfeld strategy is one that I've actually talked my kids putting a poster up and checkboxing. It reminds me of a quote that I've heard and I sometimes will, will say, hey, you know, if knowing is just about if success is just about knowing we'd all be billionaires with rock hard abs, right? Like at the end of the day, it's about execution, right? Why is some of this stuff, Scott, so tough to do? If we sat and did everything you're talking about today, we would be billionaires with rock hard abs, no health problems and all the money in the world. But there's something about human nature that makes it tough to be consistent with some of these things. Yeah. I mean, how much time do we have on this podcast? Because, right? <laughs> because we, we can legitimately, you, I mean, you can keep me on here for two to three days and we can be talking about human behavior. But right. uh, I mean, there are so many different ways you can look at that. Yes, you're 100% right. If we want to accomplish anything and we're not doing it, it's almost always because we either don't know what to do or we know what to do and we're just not doing it. And very rarely is it the former. It's almost always we know what to do and we're just not doing it. And part of it can be we just get busy in our lives and we don't, I think, spend enough time maybe reflecting, thinking about what we genuinely want. I also think as far as a lot of a lot of what I do now, quite honestly, I don't blame my parents. I don't blame my teachers or anything else. But a lot of the mental skills that I talk about, I was never necessarily taught in sports. I was certainly not taught in school. So I don't know that we're equipped with a skill set from a personal standpoint to be able to have to be able to help and to be able to kind of bounce back from some of the things that actually happen in our lives as well. There's just a lot of different reasons why, unfortunately, people kind of tread water or maybe are not 100% fully fulfilled with what they're doing every single day. So Scott, I know I know Mike has a couple of other questions, but before we go there, let me ask you this. Uh, Mike mentioned you have a podcast. What's the name of the podcast where people can go to get additional doses of what you're talking about, right? Which are good basic uh, performance techniques. The Outperform Podcast, of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Outperform Podcast, baby. Come on, go there. What's your website, uh, Scott? Uh, Scott Welly. Well, there's scottwelly.com, S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E.com, as well as outperformthenorm.com. Absolutely. Check it out. Well, as you know, this podcast is for visionaries. It's a tribute to those from the past, the present, and the future who think big, they act aggressive, and they cast their visions. One of the things that I love from your leadership book is you talk about casting a vision. Share with us today what that means to you and maybe how you can apply that to your life. Well, all you're doing when you're casting a vision is you're just talking about a better, brighter, bolder future than where we are now. And the way that we started this is I see way too many people that will diminish themselves and they will say things like, well, I'm not a visionary leader because I'm not Elon Musk or I'm not Steve Jobs or I'm not JFK. And I don't want people to do that. Anytime you are talking about whether we're talking about a micro level and you're saying this is how tomorrow is going to be better than today, or we're talking about a macro level and you're saying this is how next year is going to be better than this year. Anytime you do that, you're casting a vision. And I think we can all be visionary leaders. And and especially during this time, which to call it what it is, it's, it's tough. I mean, we can certainly call it a crisis. I think a, a lot of things out there aren't very easy for a lot of people. I think we need more of them stepping in, talking about how the future in some micro or macro form is going to be a better, brighter, bolder place. In fact, not only do you not have to have a huge vision, you actually don't even have to be a leader per se, right? Some people say, hey, you know, I need a title to be a leader, but that's not the case, right? We're all leaders. We all pull people into 
a vision or a better version of the future than uh, currently exists. It's the difference between appointed and emergent leadership. Appointed leadership has very, very little to do with leadership because all that means is you've been appointed with a title. And it doesn't matter if you're a, the president of the company in the C-suite, the captain of the team, etc. That appointed title does not make you a leader. The emergent yeah. part of it, I don't care what your title is. I don't care where you're at on the organizational chart. That has nothing to do with leadership. Well, it so, has to do yeah. with how you show up, how you impact and influence people every single day. And if you can start to buy into that philosophy, I think that's the starting point to probably being a better, stronger, more visionary leader immediately. Absolutely. You know, Scott, when you talk about casting a vision or sharing your vision, you say simplicity sells. What does that mean? Well, it's the golden rule of let's take sales. A confused mind says no right? Or a confused mind doesn't act. So I think the interesting part of a vision is a vision is not a time to be using super duper complex technical language and jargon. I mean, the simplicity sells part of it. It's just to do people understand where you're going? Because whether you're talking about tomorrow or next month or next quarter or next year or 10 years from now, are people going to want to jump on that bus with you and go to wherever you want to lead them? And if they don't understand where that is, is, then they're not going to do it. So I think it's it it is a time that when we're conveying a vision, and if you look at the vision statements of some of the biggest companies out there, I will will sometimes say Tesla. And I gave a presentation in Sioux Falls two days ago. I can't remember exactly what their vision statement is, but they're all very simple vision statements. Like Amazon's is to be the most customer centric company on earth. Very simple. I can say that, or I can give that to my fiance's eleven year old son, and he'll understand as a fifth grader what that is. And for all of our vision statements, I think we can make it simple like that. We got a better chance of getting people on board with us. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What does positive future pacing mean when you're talking about casting a vision? Can you imagine how awesome this podcast is going to be when it's released? Like, <laughs> I can, can. can. I mean, picture, picture for a second what Ziggler is going to look like three years from now when you've expanded many more dealerships, when you're providing unbelievable leadership opportunities for people to grow in the organization and, and an unparalleled customer experience. Can you see the look on kids' faces, Mike, when you release your <laughs> kids' book? I love it. And you're helping people all across the country overcome overcome their fears, right? All you're doing with positive future pacing is you are talking to people about that better, that better, brighter, bolder future with a specific language of, can you picture this? Because our mind works in visuals. Can you picture this? Can you see this? Can you visualize that? Like imagine what this is going to be like. And when I can start to see that future with more clarity, I'm gonna start to take more actions today that are gonna to lead to a better tomorrow. You know, Scott, when we first talked, I know one of your goals, if we brought you to Kalamazoo, Michigan, was to get to Bells. Share, share a little bit about that experience. How was it? I love Bells, man. <laughs> it was an unbelievable experience. I'm, I'm a beer guy. So um, uh, sort of like they talk about your last meal or, or like your burial <laughs> meal, what would you have? I would say that my last beer, my burial beer would be Bells Too Hearted. So uh, I never need to get a sponsor, uh, yeah. Sam. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Awesome. Yes. What's next for Scott Welly? 
I will be publishing a book on goal setting and strategy as well as the science of goal achievement that will be published a little over a month from now. Wow. Um, Congratulations. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I just got engaged a little over a month ago. Sweet. So I will be getting Congratulations. married um, <laughs> this year. And um, yeah, just continuing to grow and expand, outperform the norm and hopefully helping to make the world a healthier, happier, higher performing place. So, you know, Scott, Mike and I are all super excited having hit 50 episodes. I'm, I just subscribed to your podcast. You've got probably a hundred here. So any tips for us in the us in the <laughs> podcasting world as we venture out into our external uh, external podcast? I don't know that I have any great tips to be completely no, honest with you, that's but fair. consistency is what it's all about. You know, you don't have yes, to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. So just keep it going. Just continue to do what you're doing. And I'm sure if, if they're anything like what we're doing right now, I'm I'm sure all of the listeners are going to get great value. And that's really what it's all about. It's just the value for the audience and the listener. There you go. Well, uh, Scott, let's enter into the lightning round. Lightning round is uh, four short questions at the very end. Quick answers off the top of your head. We appreciate your time with us today. First question up, favorite hobby or outside of work or activity outside of work? Can I just say watching sports? There you go. That's that. And favorite team? Oh, boy. You're in trouble if yeah, you don't say trouble. Badgers, I guess. But uh, Well, I mean, if we're talking about college, it's certainly the Wisconsin Badgers. I still believe okay. Badger Red, but unfortunately, I'm All just right. a battered, beaten, tortured Minnesota sports fan in every way. So it is the Vikings, the Timberwolves, the Wild, Twins. Uh, we're going through a tough time, but I'm, nice. I'm Minnesota professionally, Wisconsin collegiate. And you're at least a fan of P.J. Fleck, even though it uh, it contests, it probably creates a challenge for uh, your uh, Badger allegiance, right? I cheer for the goal in every single game <laughs> except for when they're playing the Badgers. There you go. So, big, Fantastic. Big fan of PJ Fleck. He's a great culture guy, super good motivator, yes. um, huge fan. Yeah. What book is on your nightstand at home, Scott? Michael Jordan's I Can't Accept Not Trying. Hmm. Oh, wow. I'm going to read it. All right. Share one topic you, you could talk about all day. I guess I probably know what it is, but let's see what you say. Well, sports would certainly be one, but kind of what we talked awesome. about before, I could talk about human behavior yeah. all day. Yeah. All day. I'm fascinated by it. I think it's really interesting why we do what we do. All right. Favorite TV show or movie? Well, this is going to be going back a ways. Uh, My favorite TV show was always Cheers growing up. I was a huge Cheers fan. Yeah. yeah. And and as far as movies go, I, I can't probably pinpoint one, but I would just say the entire Rocky series. Oh, beautiful. That's fantastic. I was on top of the steps in Philadelphia of the art museum looking back, and that was a fun memory for me many years ago. Something you're most proud of, Scott? I'll probably just say, you know, especially with losing my parents, I think I've gotten a little bit more in touch with what is the legacy that looking down from above, they would want you to carry forward. So I think feeling like I'm doing that every single day, that I'm as simple as it sounds, working hard and being nice to people. I think those are two things that if we do that, we're probably doing it the right way. So hopefully I'm just carrying that forward for them and above and beyond books and speaking and you know races and everything else. I'm just most proud of that. That's awesome. We appreciate your example of that. Today's we've talked on the podcast, you know, it's interesting as we power out of the pandemic and we become more aware of people around us and the value of just being nice and good to each other. You know, you would assume it's kind of a natural thing and everybody would just see the need for it, but we haven't seen that at all times during the past couple of years, right? I always um, say what what's common sense is not always common practice. And yeah. we need that more and more now. Not just, I mean, not just the vision part of it and people talking about a better tomorrow, but People just treating each other with more dignity and respect and empathy and just listening to each other 
and being willing to engage in a conversation. And it does not mean that we have to agree, but it does mean that I have to at least respect your opinion and be willing to listen to it. Easy to say, tough to do right now, right? And uh, great, great practice. Hey, Last question, if you could have one superpower, Scott, what would that be? This is going to sound a little bit strange, but I would say not sleep. Oh, actually, I appreciate that one. More hours. Yeah. I I actually love sleeping. I really do. But there's the part of my brain that from a productivity and from a growth standpoint, I think about, man, you know, we spend a third of our life sleeping. And I, I think about if we could just somehow manufacture some pill or something that we could do that would allow us to get all the good benefits that we get from sleep, either by not doing it or just in an accelerated fashion, how much more could we advance the human condition and the human experience forward if we were actually able to do that? So that would be my superpower. Yeah. And for the the Seinfeld fans out here also made for a great episode where Kramer decides to uh, sleep on a rotating uh, cycle and goes absolutely loses his mind uh, with sleep (laughs) deficit. So (laughs) Scott Welly, we absolutely appreciate you being on the uh, podcast today. We're excited to check out your podcast. Uh, I'm subscribed now and uh, I look forward to joining you on a weekly basis as you release new podcasts. So Scott, thanks for being here, Mike. Until next time, how are you driving vision today?